When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now from the Top Dog's Kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Philip Show. Ah, it's always good to hear, Gary. Thanks so much. We really miss you. Hi, I'm Terrence Curran. And I'm Philip Hodgetts, and welcome to another Terrence and Philip Show. Today we're going to talk about an interesting subject, which is spurred by an article that I read in the Atlantic magazine written by Arthur Brooks, and it's called, Your Professional Decline is Coming Much Sooner Than You Think. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who've been recently let off from various studios around here that are uh, amening on that and high-fiving and <laughs> saying it's very true for them. There's certainly been a lot of people that I've known that are close to our age group or not even that area or a little bit older who are finding... He means 29. I, I admit to being somewhere between 40 in death, so <laughs> at the moment I still think closer to 40, but you know, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go between 40 and death, that sounds good. Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. But yes, there are a lot of people who are let go from those positions they've held for a long time, and you know, with decent salaries, mm-hmm. and are finding it very, very hard to find replacement work. We've seen lots of former cameramen just move out of LA completely, or people who were independent editors or producers mm-hmm. are just moving out of LA because they can't get work here anymore. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that too, and it's so expensive to live here. Well, that's the main reason for moving out. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you have modest retirement benefits, and you, know, you can make them last a long way in places that aren't L.A. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. yeah it's true, because if you purchased a house down here and paid for it throughout your career, you can sell it and go buy a ranch in Wyoming. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I've had a friend that downsized from a brownstone to up the Hunted Valley down to Southern Carolina, and now he's back into um, Delaware. Wow, so he's moving he's, around. Yeah, over like the 20 years I've known him. Oh, okay. He's, you know, capitalized down or whatever. But that's not the point of this yeah. article. Well, yeah, what spurred him as he was on a plane and he heard this much older guy behind him complaining about how he just wishes he was dead because he's not important and not necessary anymore, etc., etc. And so he was listening in on the conversation and he was painting this mental image in his head of some really old person who never achieved any of the things they wanted to do, etc., etc. The plane lands, he gets up to get out of his seat and he looks back and it's a very prominent, famous person. And so he was really shocked. And as the guy was walking off of the plane, people were congratulating him and the pilot even said, oh, you know, you're so great, da 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 and made the older person perk up a bit. But it got him thinking about, he's at he's a good point in his career right now as a writer, but at some point, he's not going to be able to do the same level of work that mm-hmm. he's been doing, and then is he going to feel irrelevant, and et cetera? And it, it created this whole area for him to research into. The biggest takeaways for me were, because I kind of feel, I don't have the same energy that I had 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, I used to do two or three day straight through edit sessions when I was younger. It's just nonstop, around the clock. Never went more than 43 hours, but anyway. (laughs) I couldn't do that now. I just don't have that. And now there's a lot of studies into this stuff. One of the things that they've found is that most of the creative part of somebody's career, for people Mm -hmm. who are more creative, happens when you're younger. And it tapers off as you start getting older. You don't see a lot of new innovation coming from people over 30 years old. Now, when I mention that, some people are going to go, oh, well, that's not true. I'm still creative. But what you don't think about is you're actually working off of stuff you've had before. You know, yeah. your creativity from the past. You guys are an example. You're cranking out all these software and you, if somebody on the outside might go, man, they just keep having great ideas. But you've been talking about all this stuff before the technology was available yeah. to, give it, <laughs> to you make it. I mean, I've been hearing you talk about this kind of stuff for like 10, 15 yeah. years, you yeah. know? And the technology just wasn't there for you to get there. So there's a difference between creative thinking and the logical thinking. It comes from the wisdom you've gathered. Yeah. And as people get older, they tend to lean on that more. I shared this article with Greg. Oh, what do you say? We started 
talking briefly about the research career because, I mean, he got a PhD in medical research. So the, the career path that would have taken him down was constantly looking for grants and researching into the field of immunology, which was an important field then and now. Mm-hmm. But he said that most people's research work is that their career is over by 30. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, they've done the work that will make their career, mm-hmm. but their amount of hours they have to spend in the lab, the fact that they're going something new, they can either do that before they're 30. And I think the article mentions that most Nobel Prize winners do the work yes. that gets them the Nobel in their mid 30s. So yeah. Relatively early in careers. So those careers that want to start researching and involving something new start in the younger part of life. I just had to wait for the technology to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you talk about the poets. Yeah. Most poets have hit their peak by the time they get to 50, as opposed to historians who go well into their 60s. But the historians are working off of that logical, yeah. accumulated learnings as opposed to some new brain yeah, insight. Yeah. The new material in history is coming at a much slower rate than new material in technology or, or medical fields. Yes. <laughs> it's much easier to assimilate and adapt when history happens only one minute at a time, or mm-hmm. yeah. how much video is uploaded to YouTube every minute. Mm-hmm. They do tend to say that the, the mentoring type of uh, part of a career at the end is very successful yes. as well. and teaching. It's funny because I find myself doing more of that just naturally. And, I, and so I can see that. They have, in happiness studies, they're also finding out that people's happiness tends to drop in their 30s and 40s and bottoms in their 50s, and then it starts to climb again, which is, oh. I thought, rather interesting. Up until the 70s. After 70s, it's a hit or miss, especially with men. A lot of them get suicidal after that point. But well, I, yeah, I think this is a lot to do with how feeling useful and yes. valued. Yeah. Because in Australia, they found that when blue-collar workers retired, they tended to be dead in three years. Oh, I could see that. Because, yes. you know... Because they're, they're just machines, basically. Yeah, they're just going along doing that thing, and then suddenly all of their friends are associated with their workplace. Mm-hmm. The government, you know, and sort of slightly more socialist-focused country as we were at the time, a little more people-focused, started to implement these uh, transition to retirement education programs really in blue collar workplaces people were the three years before retirement they were encouraged into finding hobbies that they enjoyed getting used to being at home with the wife getting the wife used to being having the husband home because a lot of those the more traditional households the wife didn't have the hassle of the husband being around all the time right and so it, it was actually very successful as a social program because retirement now is not that three or four year death sentence people do go into long happy retirements I think it has to do with how much you feel valued and how much you can contribute I agree it's one the reasons I like Andrew Yang. I've been talking for a long time about tech eventually replacing all the jobs, and that's his whole thing. Yeah. And I'm reading his book, and I'm like, this is me talking. This is all of my arguments that have been for years and years and years. Anyways, one of the things that he's talking about is universal basic income, yeah. which is one of the kind of conclusions I've come to that is one of the few that I can see that actually work. My big caveat on that is you have to do something in exchange yeah. for it, because otherwise people's morale goes out the door, and they just, you know, it's the same thing we're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. But there's plenty of things, you know, Maybe we all only work 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And maybe you're tending a neighborhood garden or maintaining trails in the forest or watching kids or whatever. I think we're going to have to restructure for that. But how that ties into this is that's one of the things that Arthur Brooks kind of suggesting for people who are older. If you're still doing something where you're giving back, you feel mm, needed. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I definitely sense the need for that. For myself, as I am doing less in the business universe of our industry, I'm looking forward to just being able to do my own videos that can add and contribute to education for people, etc. Especially now that the tools are insane. Mm-hmm 
insanely cheap and the, and the distribution platform's free. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see ever not doing anything. I mean, I'll, I'll have plenty to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are two types of retirees. There are people who retire from mm-hmm. and people who retire to. Yes, I'm retiring too. Yeah, and people like Les Perkins, when Les first talked about retiring, it's like, what? What are, what are you going to do? And he said, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. And I yeah. finally have time to do all the things. That are, it's like, oh, so you're retiring from lousy clients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been busier than ever yes. in retirement. And you yeah. know, friends in Australia who both retired, not blue-collar jobs in industry, but they're off travelling the world and having a fabulous time because they retired properly. They retired to something. That's the key, I think. And again, going back to the blue-collar workers, they don't have a, that kind of a plan. They've just been working to survive generally, yeah. and then they quit. Although, in, again, in Australia, superannuation is compulsory and paid for out of your salary and with an equal contribution from your employer. Mm-hmm. If you've worked for a company over 20 pe- people, you will retire with superannuation, which is a, an annual style thing. Oh, okay. So you pay into it and then you get it back at the end. A little like Social Security, but a, a broader concept mm-hmm. and better payback. <laughs> <laughs> That's the financial end. Which yeah. I think one of the advantages we have is that we're always creating. Yeah, yeah. So it's not hard for me to come up with a million ideas of things to no, go no, do, you know? To me, whether I'm, I'm creating a demonstration of, a, of a, an app that we've built or working with Greg on creating the, the way the app should work or working out with building sort of uh, sandstone walls and mm-hmm. waterfalls and creeks through the garden. I've learned a lot about hydrology lately, but anyway... <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and how pernicious water is when it wants to get out. <laughs> <laughs> that I've learned the hard way. Yes, yes. So, but although they're very different things, they're all creative in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So there's always this idea of um, finding interesting solutions to challenges mm-hmm. and problems, which is what I think creativity is really about. It's not just about drawing or editing or traditionally what people think is creative arts. Yeah. You know, designing a piece of software is every bit as creative as painting an outrageous painting. Yes, and that's always been my strong point is trying to come up with a creative way to solve the problems, whatever they are. And one of the things with that article that I sort of don't really take issue with but don't think it tells the whole story is when it talks about entrepreneurs mm-hmm. peaking fairly early, partly because to start up a new company that's going to grow into a very large company takes a lot of energy Yes, and a lot of commitment. Yes, so You can see people who are in their 20s building up great companies for the future. Mm-hmm. But there is another side of entrepreneurship that's not necessarily the only way to make a business. Greg and I became very enamored of the idea of a lifestyle business. It's still entrepreneurial, but you're happy getting to a certain point and just holding it there. Okay. If we wanted to grow right now, you know, we're two people in one business and three people in the other. Mm-hmm. The only way we could grow is to start employing more programmers, mm-hmm. design teams, and then we'll have to work demo artists, and I'll be doing meetings all day every day and trying to coordinate and worrying where the money's coming to pay all these people from mm-hmm. and having to hustle and work work hard as opposed to we've found a business that brings us a you know a nice decent income it has growth potential particularly lumberjack and we have a a lifestyle that means we don't have to be somewhere at nine o'clock in the morning or ten o'clock in the morning we don't have to stay somewhere till seven o'clock at night the commute is close to 25 feet (laughs) (laughs) and back if i go to the office (laughs) so you don't really care that the gas taxes go up well (laughs) not as much as most yeah (laughs) so entrepreneurship can still be a lifestyle business and it doesn't necessarily always have to grow into an enormous 30, 40, 50, 100 people enterprise. Mm-hmm. There was a time I thought, oh, I'd like to grow a business to maybe about 40 people. You know, still considered a small business. Right. And then I started to have eight employees and has yes. to find out where that money came from every month. And, yes. And I see, you know, there are entrepreneurial people like Roger Bolton, who call melt. He's an Australian based in Thailand and he's taken advantage of every subsidy he can get and he's employing
employing Thai people and he's doing all this stuff and he's got a team of 20 or 30 people, mm -hmm. we write software faster and get it to market. It depends on yeah. what are your goals. My goal was never to start a company. The Alpha Dogs thing just sort of happened as a consequence of the changes in the industry and where I saw things are going. And I mean, it was fun to build. I love building. Yeah, that's yeah. the creative part of it. Exactly. There's the challenges to finding the, yeah. solving those challenges technically and how do you build this big infrastructure without spending the money that the yes. <laughs> you're exactly. going to spend on the same infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work that, uh, you know, just dealing with the employees and, and the accounting and the government and all of that yep. stuff, which is not at all interesting to me. But I've managed to do it for 17 years, and I'm kind of going, eh. And then I'm reading this article, and I'm going, eh, you know, uh, maybe it's time to, to go and do things I really want to do. Yeah, but there's only so many teaching positions. <laughs> If you think about it, you don't have to be working at a university yeah, to be yeah, educating yeah, people yeah, and yeah. with our skill sets, yeah. being able to make video and make interesting projects. Just doing those color correction videos and the audio, yeah. good audio videos that we made, that was a lot of fun for me, actually doing that part. I can be cranking stuff like that out all the time. I'm thinking of doing music videos starring myself. Oh, <laughs> Well, I've got to have some outlet for the singing. I put all this practice in, like one performance a year. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah. 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 Look, I've got you know, enough backgrounds. <laughs> we can do any number of uh, ranch scenes. For those who don't know, we, where Greg and I live was a movie ranch. So the Wild West that you see in most film and television is actually Chatsworth. And, uh, and we live in that sandstone Chatsworth area. So we are in the movie. So I'd have perfect ranch. I mean, I'm a bit of Star Trek out that <laughs> way <too. laughs> It's a different way of thinking about entrepreneurship, though, a lifestyle business. To those people who are on the path, you know, I've got to build a business up, I've got to build a business up, I've got to keep growing. Every year we don't grow as a, yeah. I'm, I feel bad because, you know, my right. ego's not being stroked with the growth. Mm -hmm. There were people in my history that were definitely constantly talking about their top line, mm -hmm. how much they turned over in the year, and a month after we arrived, they went broke. Right. Because they had nobody been looking at the profit margins. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I think his son in the business had been, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you probably know who I'm talking about, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> got to keep it fitting within your lifestyle you what is it that you want out of a business and you, you said you know you'd like the building up of a business yeah well maybe yeah. the time you know maybe the thing is build the business up and then sell it to somebody we did that with the digital production bars we built from nothing and then sold it to larry jordan for something and isn't he closing it down though or? The, the buzz is now on hiatus it's, it's end of season one <laughs> what does that mean that means that the people who now own the buzz don't want to absolutely rule a bottom line that they won't do anything with it in the future so it's done i think in practical terms it is most probably done that's not like a a politician answering a question. Well, it's not my call. <laughs> and that's what I think it probably you know, does indicate that it's finished. And, and that's been from 2005 mm -hmm. when we created it till now as a, you know, a 14 year run is pretty good for any show, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think of it as Larry's show now anyway. I mean, yeah, it's I took the check. Show. It's like whatever Larry does with it, you know. And, <laughs> I'm sorry if Larry's listening to this. <laughs> there was a time when Larry took the idea to expand the business, thought we'd go down this huge growth path and you know yeah, he built production. a studio didn't he built a beautiful studio beautiful facility lovely little soundstage three black magic cameras an atem switcher mm -hmm. you know really nice setup but even as he was setting it up i'm thinking where's that extra income coming from yeah you know you've gone from having four employees i think to 12 wow and that's that implies a lot of additional money coming in yeah and i've seen so many businesses expand into bankruptcy yeah they're having a hair salon that's being a very successful hair salon opens five branches in the, in one year because they got some funding from somebody and are back to one branch 
owned by somebody else under the same name in, in two years mm-hmm. because they just expand into bankruptcy. And the focus needs to be on what is this business doing for me and how do we keep this business profitable? And it's very much got to keep the ego out of the business. And that's hard for people like you and I that are the figureheads of our relevant yeah. businesses. Yep. I always felt bad when we weren't doing good in business because I felt it was, you know, my fault, which mm-hmm. it was. I, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in charge. So if we're not doing well, then it's my right. responsibility. Right. But then I just never did want to grow beyond that size. And I'm much more comfortable now without the hassle of having to keep up, keep the treadmill constantly going, mm-hmm. right? constantly selling, constantly servicing clients, constantly chasing the bills. Yeah, it's tough. And it's interesting because I never really wanted to have the business. But we got to a certain level, which I didn't want to get any bigger because it was already a pain in the ass to just run it where it was, I sort of hit a stasis. And the problem is, you know, the physical universe, everything's either expanding or contracting. There is no real even straight across all the time. You have to constantly grow or shrink back down. It's certainly easier in the situation you've set up because it's just you guys. Mm -hmm. You don't have the employees. You don't have that. But even still, you have to come up with new products and you have to update them and you have to keep a certain level going. And to be honest, we have been extremely fortunate. We thought the translation tools would last for about two years, make mm-hmm. a, a certain amount of money. And we did. We made our revenue goals, mm-hmm. but they've kept selling. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have become workflow tools when they were escape artist tools. Oh. They were designed so you could escape out of Final Cut Classic and move to Final Cut Pro 10 or to go back if you were totally, oh my God, this doesn't work. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I started the project, I need to get it back. Now they're just workflow tools. People will work with a, an editor working in Premiere Pro and they'll be working in Final Cut and they'll swap edits backwards and forward, mm-hmm. which is successful as long as you don't get too far into the finishing not as many things translate well yeah stuff won't go back and forth as well but for the sort of cuts and basic edits that you can do mm-hmm. no they are transparent i think i was talking about sequence clip reporter earlier and saying our longest selling product has been coming up to nearly 10 years on the market we've had other apps that we had released earlier than that but they've been withdrawn for one reason or the other mm-hmm. and that was an app through ports out of final cut pro 7 mm-hmm. and it got a nice solid business not enough to live off but you make a little bit off a lot of things you can mm-hmm. right. it's all right right with the passing of final cut classic we expected that that would fade out turns out there's a big demand for it in the premiere pro crowd in fact more with this resurgence of premiere pro than there were with final cut pro so it's actually doing better than ever. Congratulations. Yeah, but it's pure luck. I mean, if Adobe had created their own XML, we probably oh, yeah. wouldn't necessarily have written a version for them, mm-hmm. although increasingly opening our world up to Adobe. Ah. Yeah, if you've seen some presentations on Builder. For, well, we now have Lumberjack Builder for Premiere Pro, and that's an indicative of probably will take the whole of Lumberjack, make it available for Premiere Pro users as well as Final Cut Pro X. It's only a little interpretation between the XML here and a little bit of interpretation of XML there. Uh-huh. In the middle, it's all your own data structure. So it's really just part of the translation. You translate it from one of the other XML into a data structure and then transmit it back out again. And you've got a programmer to make well, it Well, yeah, that's, that, that's one of those things that, again, very fortunate to have somebody who turns out not only to be a PhD in medical science, but actually writes really great code. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's an in- indicative of the type of mind, very detailed and oriented mind that he has. But actually, it's a perfect combination because yeah. you can promote it. Yeah, well, I'm he's not going to do that. In neuro <laughs> no, in neurolinguistic programming terms, I'm formed to content. So I I need to understand the big picture before I can I'm interested in looking at the details. Mm-hmm. Whereas Greg is the exact opposite. He's focused on the details and will let that build up to the big picture. It's a really great balance. And he writes the go but doesn't want to be in public. Mm-hmm. I don't mind being in public and I like to take credit for his work. <laughs> <laughs> And make it very obvious that it is his work that I'm taking credit for, mm. <laughs> not that I can do it. <laughs> Whether careers fade out one way or fade out the other way, they're always going to fade out. Yeah, no, sooner nobody, or later, yeah. Sooner or later, you will stop doing what you have done for the majority of your life or you'll taper it down and 
I don't want to be the 78-year-old guy who's still going to the various meetings and demonstrations and things and, and simply just talking about when they were relevant. Mm-hmm. I was there when they did the first cross-dissolve on videotape, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I don't want to ever go into irrelevancy. But I've, I've not stayed in the one in Korea for more than about eight years. In any of your careers? None of my careers, really. I started out in theatre lighting. Well, mm-hmm. actually, I started with my own lighting company before I was employed in a theatre. Mm-hmm. That came later. Well, I transitioned out of that when, well, by employment, I told off my gear. And when I left that, it left to create my own video production company, you know, doing weddings, events, corporate, mm-hmm. whatever. Moved that into educational design, journalist, and radio personality. Uh, and now right. I'm a software product manager, which I never expected to find myself in. I think it's what you were talking about with wanting to move on after you've created something. You get to yes. a certain point where, you know, I've done that. I've done Next that. Time. I'm already in the top 15 percentile in doing this. Uh-huh. I need another challenge. And Yeah, that's exactly. As that's long it. as I have something that I keep challenging and I keep competent at, then I'm happy to keep whatever this is called working. <laughs> whatever I do. <laughs> yeah. For an indefinite future. I don't see... My parents lived to quite long ways. All my aunts and uncles are all well past normal retirement or death age, so... The genes are good. I'm going to go on forever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not, but up to a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> I think to, to try and bring this to some sort of conclusion, you've got to plan for that change to happen. Otherwise, it's going to control you. So you either control the transition to a, a different type of career, mm-hmm. or it's just going to be thrust upon you. Yeah, or it could be no career. Yeah. That's the career that could get thrust on you also. Well, yes. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I've always been leery of working for someone else. I think if you're comfortable enough financially, if you're at the point where you can collect Social Security or you have you know money to st- uh, put away or whatever, that's probably the best place to be because then you, you can take a job, but you don't have to have the job. I mean, you know, it's a yeah. different place to come from. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's an entirely different place to come from. It's like people used to say, well, what would you do if you won the lottery? Sometimes people would answer, oh, I keep doing my job because I love my job. And I always thought, there's no way in hell that you could really do that because if you were financially independent like that, you would not take any stuff from anyone, mm, you yeah. know. And inevitably, in whatever job you're in, you take a certain amount at, you know, whether it's from customers or clients or bosses or whatever. You know, there's a certain amount of biting your tongue, or you don't have the job anymore. And if you won the lottery, <laughs> <laughs> you'd retire from all that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Somebody come in and go, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't care what you think. <laughs> it would be really hard to continue to do a job in, in any of those capacities where you interface with other human beings if you didn't care. Yeah, and after having no real adult supervision in my job for my entire career, apart yes, from... You would be hard to... <laughs> apart from that first job in the theatre, which was... I think I stayed there for four years. And even then, I was I'm, I was only responsible for to the manager of the theatre, and basically if my job was done and he didn't hear any problems, I could do whatever I like. You know, during a show, you're set up for a show, and during the running of a show, you're flat out completely busy. 18-hour, mm-hmm. 24-hour days. As a casual on one show, I worked an 80-hour week. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was actually my second week in the theatre as a casual employee. But I got bored with that and had to go out and do something different. Mm-hmm. I've been an employee in multiple different jobs and then self-employed and then an employee again and then self-employed and I can switch to either direction I don't know that I prefer one over the other I know I've had enough running a business for a while (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's interesting that probably the biggest thing that I took away from this article is that if you are doing any kind of a creative task where you're using your mental processing Mm -hmm. a lot then your decline in the speed (laughs) in your analytical speed is going to accelerate as you get older and probably not going to last as long as you might think. I know a lot of 
editors who are older and their big fear is the younger editors will work many more hours than they will and so the studios tend to want to get the younger editors who are going to do that. Yeah, that is unfortunate that we don't always value the experience that comes with maturation either but I can't edit in a style that is modern contemporary young person Instagram edits. Yes. I would probably have to study a whole bunch of them and then work out what the secret is. We need some machine learning to it. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get back on that topic let's let's wrap this up and say if you don't manage your career it will somebody else will manage it for you yeah and i would say that focusing on relationships is more important than the individual career track that you're on in the long term because that's what's going to matter as things do start to slow down is the people that are around you your friends and family etc that's what i find to be more important and i hope that wraps it up a few simple check bosses during the shoot and you'll be more organized than you ever thought possible and i have a head start on editing thanks to lumberjacksystem.com if you want your project to look and sound better bring it to the team that cares about your project alphadogs.tv